Hello, my name's Frank and I'm the host of the UFO Thinker podcast. I'd always been mildly interested in UFOs, but like many people, the events of 2017 ignited a fire of curiosity for the UFO topic, which has been raging ever since. I wanted to start a podcast, but initially thought, well, I'm not an astrophysicist, I'm not a fighter pilot, and I've never even seen a UFO. I'm just a normal guy who's interested in this mystery. But that's when a light bulb went off. There are so many other people just like me who are fascinated with this stuff. So why not start a podcast to talk about it from the ordinary guy's perspective? All the BS stripped away, as a few people have said. And let's see if we can get to the truth in all of this. Thanks to everyone who's been on board with the journey so far. It's been amazing to see so many listeners tuning in. And if you're new here, welcome. You can now support the podcast on Patreon with tiers starting from £3 per month. The podcast will always be 100% free, but supporting the show in this way allows me to devote more time and make the show bigger and better. Higher tiers also include special benefits such as being able to suggest episode topics and get merchandise. And I really truly appreciate every listener whether you support on Patreon or not. So now with all of that said, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name is Frank and let's get cracking. So initially this was meant to be quite a relaxed recent events podcast with nothing too extravagant going on, nothing too crazy and wild this week. Um, it was just about the uh, the interview that had been done on the Max Moscovich channel which was Avi Loeb, Chris Mellon and Lou Elizondo. It was a relatively short episode and it just covered that. However, <laughs> the events of yesterday uh, somewhat changed plans. Um, so essentially um, what I'm going to do is get into the new office uh, which has or the new the new group department which has been announced by the Pentagon. Um, the news about that first of all and then we're going to come back to the segment which I'd already recorded about the uh, interview uh, with the guys that I mentioned just now and then we'll finish off with um, um, some of the bits and pieces of news that's happened so what started off as a, a relatively uh, quiet week has evolved into something um, a bit more bit more going on so to get into that first of all then so I'm going to go through this kind of in the order that I was making notes, um, which kind of shows how this thing played out and um, kind of served as a reminder of um, why I've kind of adjusted my little routine with doing these recent events episodes because when something initially happens, you can't always get the full picture. So I like to sort of digest it at least for a little while uh, before I put my thoughts out because the picture the bigger picture can unfold um, and, and things can change quite significantly in a, in a few hours, and which is kind of what happened with this, for me anyway. So, as reported by the New York Times, they, they ran with the, uh, the headline uh, of Pentagon forms a group to examine unexplained aerial sightings. So, that in, his, in and of itself you read a headline like that it sounds fantastic you know like at the end of the day if you'd have heard that a few years ago you'd have been like wow what's this you know amazing um and what, what basically um 
actually is the reality of it is a little bit different to that a fair amount significantly different in fact to that but we'll get into that in a minute but first of all let's just explore how the um the the announcement was was kind of reported on by some various different um, news outlets so uh, the the article uh, in the New York Times, then uh, it says Kathleen H. Hicks, the Deputy Defense Secretary, said the new group will be called the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. And it will be overseen by an executive council made up of the Under Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, the Director of the Joint Staff, and senior officials from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. The group will focus on special use airspace, which includes military operations areas, firing ranges and places restricted for national security and other uses. In a memo, Dr. Hicks said unidentified aerial phenomena in special use areas represented a potential safety issue for military pilots and raised potential national security concerns. Now, the first thing to mention there straight away is that is very, very clearly focusing on restricted airspace, you know, military installations, and it seems to be quite narrow in its scope of examining what's actually going on here. That was the first thing that kind of hit me because we've been used to hearing about a few other things that have been mentioned a lot recently. And if unless you've got a fair knowledge of what's actually involved in, in passing legislation in the United States... This is a minefield. I mean, I'm no expert by any stretch of the imagination, but luckily I kind of know good people to follow on Twitter and so on to be able to get a bigger idea of what's really going on. And I've been able to piece the puzzles together as best I can. So I think the first and most important thing to mention here is that this is a separate thing to the recent uh, Gillibrand amend amendment which I've been pronouncing as Gillibrand so uh, I apologize for anybody who's been listening and cringing every time I say that word but you know um, it's not always easy to uh, pronounce people's names anyway so the, the Gillibrand amendment is a separate thing to what's been announced yesterday that's the most important thing because there's been mass confusion about this I mean when this was first announced, I was like, oh, okay, is this the Gillibrand thing? Is this, you know, a separate thing? What, what, what's going on here? I've seen people actually, um, you know, very confused, basically, to long story short, uh, on Twitter and, and, and various other social media platforms uh, that I engage in uh, for UFO news and things. So a lot of people are very mixed up, but it's really important to understand that these are not the same thing. So this is... Um, a separate issue which had the wheels put into motion after the UAP task force preliminary report earlier this year. So firstly, the Gillibrand Amendment is still progressing and this doesn't replace that. That's, that's key. Although it could potentially have a knock-on effect to how the Gillibrand Amendment progresses and some pretty significant uh, knock-on effects, in fact, as we'll get into in a minute. But I think uh, we'll go through a few of the first initial reactions that I saw uh, on, on UFO Twitter because some of these were quite funny. And uh, a few people expressing disappointment in the language used in this particular uh, AOIMSG. I mean, that's a horrible acronym just to start off with, isn't it? I mean, how do you even say it? You know, I've seen a lot of people making jokes about that as well. I, I OMSK. 
Iomsk. Iomsk. I think we'll go with that. Eh? I save something to spell it out every time. So, um, Twitter user Connor Brady two seven seven said Iomsk versus the the Gillibrand Amendment is the task force equivalent of asking your mum to stop at McDonald's and being told that we have food at home. I thought that one was pretty funny, so I thought I'd share that. And uh, Ross Coltart, everyone's favourite sweary Aussie UFO investigator, had said that the uh, US Department of Defence establishes unpronounceable acronym to investigate UAPs. And there's no doubt it's not a, a, a not one that rolls off the tongue, is it? And I thought those were a couple of quite funny takes on the situation that I noticed. But on a more serious note, we have to kind of realise what is at stake here because it, this is a fairly significant thing and that became more clear as the bigger picture unfolded throughout the course of, of yesterday. So it may seem like progress that the IOMSK has been um, announced by the very department that has denied that UFOs are, are important all this time over the previous however many decades. But it's not, it's not necessarily good progress. It's basically an attempt to undermine the bipartisan legislation which is currently moving through Congress. And that legislation is all about Senator Gillibrand's amendment to the 2022 defense act and that particular amendment which has been put forward by gillibrand and, and now received uh, bipartisan support from the support of of marco rubio as well that amendment would significantly strengthen the the, the government's looking into ufos essentially and most importantly that particular amendment is much more thorough and specific about certain things that the IOMSK ignores. And that one of those things is that the the office that would be formed by you know the, the Gillibrand amendment coming to fruition would be focusing on transmedium UFOs, which is you know UFOs which don't just fly in the sky; they can operate underwater, in the air, and also in space, which is something that we've heard a lot about. And the IOMS focus is only on controlled airspace, as I mentioned just earlier on. So the amendment would require, as well, an oversight committee that includes non-military experts and civilian academics. So that is a massive difference as well, because essentially the the IOMSK, I mean, I hate the pronunciation of that, but I can't figure out a better way to say it, guys, so I apologise. Uh, but that thing um, is basically just the Pentagon essentially investigating itself, you know, um, and the there is no oversight committee, as is included with the Gillibrand Amendment, which includes, you know, non-military experts and civilian academics, which is key, really, really important that those are the people overseeing the process so that they can make, maintain uh, transparency, make sure everything's being done the right way. Um, and also with the Gillibrand Amendment, Congress would also require regular reporting, engagement with foreign allies and um you know, efforts to look into the actual technologies that these UFOs, UAP, actually re represent. And that's very, very serious because at the end of the day, 
Um, there's other countries around the world who are actually looking into these things and we need to make sure that we cooperate with our allies and seriously look at that technology. You know, if it indeed does turn out to be, you know, representative of a technology way beyond human technology, we need to figure that out and we need to make sure that it's the the US, the UK and, and allies, uh, Western allies like that, that are looking into this thing with as a matter of urgency. Um, before you know, people like China, Russia, North Korea look into it because who knows how long it will take before those type of um, countries eventually crack the, the technology involved there. And also, the Gillibrand Amendment also includes a, a, a specific requirement for the Pentagon to actually brief Congress on UFO incidents and ones that involve nuclear platforms. So just to quickly summarise there, this has been sort of seen by many uh, more informed people than myself as a deliberate attempt by the very department who have denied the seriousness of the UFO topic all of these years, discouraging and intimidating UFO witnesses for decades. And, and what that department is doing is now throwing up a diversion, you know, to basically undermine the Gillibrand-Rubio amendment Congress has, has the power to change a lot of things at the moment um, within these secretive departments and seri serious efforts are underway to actually make that happen and the Pentagon are basically sweating and they've gone, okay, we'll, we'll make a department to look into UFOs, don't worry, we've got it covered. That's what it seems like to me here. And, you know, a lot of hope rests on this Gillibrand-Rubio amendment going through. And I think something that I've not heard many people talking about is the Gillibrand-Rubio amendment has got bipartisan support. Both sides of the political spectrum are backing this thing. And more importantly, and this is the thing people aren't talking about, is that the Gillibrand-Rubio amendment has been informed by Chris Mellon and Lou Elizondo from what I can gather and the reasons for that I'll go into in the segment that you'll hear in a minute which is about the interview that their Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon did on the Max Moscovich uh, channel now they didn't say specifically that that's what had taken place but I think Chris Mellon dropped some very very strong hints that that was the case and we know Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon have actually been in um, Washington DC to actually support the Gillibrand Amendment but what Chris Mellon also alludes to in that interview is that they actually have informed the language which has gone into that amendment which makes sense because obviously the, the Gillibrand Amendment is specifically looking at all the areas that we as the UFO community want them to look at. So it does click into place. Ah, okay, that's how they know exactly what to ask for and exactly what language to put into their amendment because they've been working with Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon and, and co behind the scenes. So it seems that the impression that's starting to emerge here is that the Pentagon are basically throwing up this department to detract from the the reality, which is quite scary to them, that this Gillibrand and Rubio amendment is going to come into fruition. And they're, they're throwing this up as a diversion um, to basically derail the progress that that amendment has made so far. Now, some very well-informed people's opinions on this to back up what I'm saying here. Um, just so you, the listener, know that it's not just me, you know, getting that impression. Tim McMillan, 
founder of the debrief website um, and somebody who's extremely knowledgeable about the intelligence community and the way that all of these things work within uh, US government. Tim McMillan described this as administrative terrorism. Quote, the DOD appears to be trying to fend off some of the much more robust proposals in the Gillibrand Rubio Amendment, unquote. And look, when Tim talks, I listen, because this guy, he knows a lot about the inner workings of these things and the details of what it takes. So just to quote a little bit more of what Tim said, quote, as someone else put it to me, the empire strikes back. The DOD appears to be trying to fend off some of the much more robust proposals in the Gillibrand-Rubio amendment. We typically typically call this kind of stuff administrative terrorism. All of this is likely setting up for a showdown between the DOD and the DNI over UAP. One major reason that the US intelligence community is funded through ODNI and not the DOD is to ensure that the IC cannot be influenced or ordered to change the intelligence assessments because the DOD doesn't like them. This is a problem that frequently comes up in an innumerable number of NATSEC topics and specifically has come up with UAP in the last few years. What could happen is you'll see multiple UAP offices pop up with assessments similar to the DNI report on the origin of COVID released earlier this year. For those who read that assessment, they'll recall a lot of two departments concluded this while one department said that. I believe the UFO community will soon be getting a crash course into the full bureaucratic ineptitude of the USG. Unquote. So a bit of a long quote there, but I think that's really important because it kind of alludes to what I'm about to go into just now, which is what the consequences of this AI, AOI MSG um, department might actually be and the knock-on effects that it could have for the Gillibrand Amendment. So, first of all, these are a few things I've seen people discussing that could be negative consequences of this. So, the AOI MSG might be cited as a reason not to progress with the Gillibrand Rubio amendment. As far as my understanding goes, that probably won't be the case as the two separate issues under the jurisdiction of different departments. But the fact is the Gillibrand Rubio uh, amendment is much more detailed and comprehensive uh, overall. So they do seem to be looking into slightly different areas. So I am kind of remaining hopeful that the Gillibrand Rubio amendment will push through. And what's probably most likely to happen is that that Gillibrand Rubio um, amendment will come into fruition and the office will be created, but then they'll have to work alongside the AOI MSG and, and, and have to share information between the two. But I think what Tim McMillan's getting at there is that if you've got various different departments and offices and things all looking into things to do with UFOs and UAP in general, it'll be much more difficult for the public to get a sense of the messaging that's coming from the government. So say, for example, um, the Astro office, which is what the um, Gillibrand-Rubio amendment um, is proposing to, to create their particular office concludes that UAP are, um, you know, uh, say extraterrestrial in origin and it represents some technology that's non-human. Let's just say that happens, okay? Um, but then what happens if the AOI MSG office uh, or department, whatever you call it, is uh, doing a similar report at that assignment and they conclude that it's that there's nothing that you can say for sure? 
then all of a sudden you've got two separate departments who have done reports on the same thing and even if the astro office says yeah this is without a doubt extraterrestrial the other office throws doubt on that so the public won't be able to get a real clear message of 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 one thing because you've got potentially two different offices here that are creating reports and that's what um Tim McMillan is talking about there when he talks about the fact that um, you could have multiple offices, each with conflicting reports, like we saw with the origin of COVID um, investigations. I've also heard some people saying that the establishment of the AOIMSG is a deliberate damp squib designed to dampen down enthusiasm for the ufo topic especially given the unpronounceable name and um, not exactly sure on that either to be honest I, I don't always think it's productive to assign motives to these things because i just think they're more often than not the result of overcomplicated bureaucracy rather than um, a deliberate obfuscation conspiracy type thing however Given what these other people like Luella Zondo, Chris Mellon and and Tim McMillan are all saying, it does seem to be a specific tactic to muddy the waters. And obviously we've got a very curious public at the moment. The mainstream are starting to take this seriously. And if you throw out an office with a really difficult to say name and, and, you know, they're looking into things which are not really going to be revealed to the public in the end anyway, um, it kind of dampens down some of that, you know, interest from the public and makes it a lot more difficult to get to the bottom of what's really happening here. And I think it's one thing for the... Um, the UFO community, you know, people like myself who are obsessed about this thing, and, and every time anything new happens, I'm delving into it to try and get to the bottom of it. But the average member of the public who doesn't have that level of obsession, you know, slash interest in the topic, they're not going to be able to navigate the minefield, and they do know that. So it depends which way you look at it, but I do think that there is some tactical element involved in the timing of this. So moving on to um, some comments made by Lou Elizondo then, because again, as I mentioned with Tim McMillan there, when Lou Elizondo speaks, I listen. And um, Lou had, had done a, quite a long tweet thread, which I think I'm just going to read out the whole thing because it's it's really important to uh, get a big picture of what's going on with this. So first of all, important update, and this is directly quoting from Lou's tweet. So quote, important update. Before anyone gets too excited about the recent Pentagon announcement of a new UAP group, please consider the following. USDI is precisely the same organisation that has underplayed and tried to kill the UAP effort for years, unquote. So that was his first tweet, and he's, he's clearly saying there that this is, this is a, an initiative that's been set up, basically, by the secret keepers to look into the secret keepers. So... It's not going to be particularly effective. The Gillibrand Amendment has that thing where there's an oversight committee which has actually got civilian people in there, academics, non-military individuals to look into it and make sure everything's being done correctly. That is not the case with this AOIMSG um, group. So, quoting again, quote, USDI is an oversight organisation and non-operational Nowhere is there a requirement to provide unclassified findings to Congress or work with our international partners, unquote. Again, goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. There is no specific wording in this new AOI MSG group that requires actual unclassified reports like there is in the Gillibrand Amendment, and there's no requirement to work with foreign allies. 
So quoting again, quote, given that elements still exist in the Pentagon who are actively underplaying the significance of this topic, this is akin to giving an alcoholic the key and control of the liquor cabinet, unquote. So again, goes back to exactly what I was saying a minute ago, which is this is basically the secret keepers given control of an investigation looking into the secret keepers. It doesn't really make any sense. And obviously, it does seem when you look at it through that lens, like this is a bit of a diversion to say, oh, don't worry, everybody, we've got this under control. You know, don't, yeah, I don't need to worry about that Gillibrand thing. No, no problem, we've got this. Nah, not buying it at all. So quoting again, quote, if you want to maintain UAP UFO secrecy, this is exactly how to do it. This is a direct and blatant attempt to circumvent and undermine the Senate. Senator Gillibrand, Rubio, Galejo, Martin Heinrich, Tim Burchett and others. Please, please, please contact your representatives and let them know this is unacceptable and not in the best interest of the American people. The USDI is the one single office that has continuously lied about this topic and persecuted whistleblowers. Unquote. Mic drop. <laughs> so, yeah, Lou pretty much hit the nail on the head there um, of what a lot of people were thinking and put it very, very eloquently as well, if I, if I say so. Uh, myself so it's it's pretty clear what's going on there this is literally the department who has hidden this from the american public intimidated people tried to stop people reporting this and tried to hide the the specifics of what's actually going on for decades and decades and now they're making out that they're going to make a, a new group to look into this thing and um, oh and it just so happens to be conveniently at the time that there's a very thorough office being proposed to, uh, to to actually look into this stuff and report it back to the american public in a transparent way when you start looking at it like that it seems very very dodgy indeed to me and the thing is that this AOI MSG would have been super exciting a few years ago, you know, but it's only in light of the much more comprehensive and well-informed Gillibrand Amendment that this looks disappointing. So I suppose in, in a way you could say we should think ourselves look at these things are even being discussed, but in another way we need to be aware of which departments are actually putting things forward and who's telling us what. You know, the secret keepers rely on us not being informed. And if you believe there's there's a cover-up on, on UFOs, whatever the extent of UFOs is and what it, whatever extent the cover-up is, I think it's pretty factual by this point that there is a cover-up in place. And if if you do think that's the case it's not really a good idea to get the people who have been involved directly in that cover-up to actually look into this thing on behalf of the American people. So I think one of the best things we can, we can all do, really, is to get better informed on the complicated USA political system. And that, that's what I'm trying to do with the little free time that I do have. And um, I'm going to try and do a podcast episode soon on that as well um, when I know enough about it and, and can consider myself in a position to do that. Maybe even a YouTube video, you know, we'll see. But anyway, <clears throat> we're going to cut back to the segment that I pre-recorded the other day about the interview with um, Lou, Chris and um, Avi Loeb on the Max Moscovich channel. And I actually go into in that interview as well some quotes that actually back up what I'm talking about where Chris Mellon is 
you know, hinting very, very hard that they've been involved behind the scenes in bringing this Gillibrand Rubio amendment into into fruition and, and have helped to push it along to the stage that it is now, which is, again, another reason why it's quite likely that the Pentagon would have thrown up this diversion. And also, it's a, it's a very strong reason why we should be supporting this, um, this amendment from Gillibrand Rubio. So we'll cut to that, and then I'll come back again after that and we'll talk about a couple of other small things as well it's going to be a long episode this so strap yourselves in and i'll catch you on the flip side so quite early in the interview um lou mentions the religious connections again so i think avi actually mentioned it but then lou actually chose to elaborate on that point a little bit too so quoting lou elizondo here quote there's a reason why historically we refer to the skies above as the heavens unquote basically mentioning that when when you talk about going to space it's always going to be spiritual as it's the, the great unknown and it's, it's interesting that that spiritual element is being mentioned more now you know the future in space thing you know had a guy there from the catholic church there's a lot more conversation that seems to be going back to religion now and there, there has been for a while but i feel like that's um it has previously been a bit more in the in the the, the less mainstream elements of the UFO conversation, but it, it seems now that there's a there's almost an effort being made, perhaps you could say, to include more talk of of religious um, elements to to the discussion, really. And we know that the you know the the Catholic Church has links to the phenomenon, you know, the miracle of Fatima and various miracles. And as as we start to understand that there are more strange aspects to the the UFO phenomenon that don't necessarily all involve nuts and bolts craft. When you consider something like the miracle of Fatima, you know, a, a light which you know appeared, you know, apparitions which appeared to people, um, you know, over the course of an, a number of days, culminating in, a, in an absolutely enormous sighting in front of a crowd, you know, even um, even covered by the media at the time, and 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 things like that is actually accepted as a genuine miracle by the the Catholic Church, and essentially that is you know a, a kind of a, a UFO, you know, and there's more kind of links being made it seems recently the vatican you know has its own observatory you know it makes you think about what they actually know hidden away within the archives of the vatican so we never know if if exactly what's behind that if whether you know whether that's exactly true but it's interesting and and i find it fascinating that this concept of religion is now coming more into the uh, the, the conversation around ufo's and the phenomenon in general so uh, Lou was also keen to state the importance of academia being involved in this conversation, um, which he says is essential for it to progress forward. And I think that's very interesting as well as that new direction there of, of getting academics involved seems to be um, not, not just limited to academics, really, but, you know, academia, religion, as I just mentioned, NASA and other countries you know and and it seems like lou elizondo talks about these gears and you know shifting the disclosure movement up a gear and as, as time goes along and it seems like the current gear that we're in involves getting those um points that i just mentioned uh, involved in the conversation a lot more i like to see it you know it's great to see that we're going in that direction so um 
Bill Nelson uh, was also mentioned uh, as well. And uh, something that Chris Mellon actually uh, mentioned here was that Bill Nelson was present in the briefings with Navy pilots. And um, quoting Chris Mellon here, quote, he was a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee when we pushed to get those pilots in there and have those briefings, unquote. And then he also goes on to say, quote, by good luck, he is now the director of NASA. And it's obvious that that had an effect on his thinking, unquote. So it seems to be hinting there um, that a big part of the reason that Bill Nelson was actually is is currently willing to engage in this conversation is perhaps because of the direct uh, conversations that he's had with those pilots and um, so the navy pilots who were present during the tic tac event obviously that is um, and uh, I, f I found that quite an interesting because there's been some speculation as to whether or not bill nelson um you know had, had directly been influenced by that and, and what Chris, uh, Bill Nelson actually knows and what he's been able to see behind the scenes uh, and, it, and it's very clear there from what Chris is saying that Bill Nelson has indeed been present in those briefings with the Navy pilots and uh, that has definitely affected how he views this whole thing at this point. So Chris Mellon also seemed to hint that um, Kirsten Gillibrand had staff who had liaised with Mellon and Lou behind the scenes uh, when he was asked about that fact uh, the fact that maybe she knew more than a usual person would Mellon commented quote she has some good staff people unquote and then he didn't elaborate on that um, but when he was pressed on it further uh, Mellon said that uh, quote if that did take place I wouldn't acknowledge it unquote so essentially, again, very strong hint there that um, Chris and 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 uh, and Lou have actually been actively uh, pushing to to move the ball downfield behind the scenes, um, and um, you know reaching out to people like Kirsten Gillibrand and, and helping to actually put the wheels in motion for the things that she's been doing recently uh, with the proposals for these amendments to create a new uh, ufo office essentially to replace the task force and um it's just i found that very interesting tidbit um to kind of give away a little bit of what exactly lou and chris are doing behind the scenes there and um it was an interesting comment uh, from from Chris Mellon as well about the aftermath of 9/11 where it was found that the FBI and the CIA uh, if they had been sharing information the FBI and the CIA it may have been prevented from happening what happened on 9/11 quote so this is a very similar situation only it's more extensive because there are many more agencies that have relevant relevant information not just the CIA and FBI unquote so again that ties back into that compartmentalization thing of um there's there's always been that conversation of of everything being separated and compartmentalized to the point where it's very difficult to make any progress on this issue it's one of the reasons that Lou Elizondo gave for why he resigned from his position as the ATIP director because it's so difficult to make any progress all of these different departments within the intelligence community may have uh, relevant information which all forms pieces of the puzzle but without bringing them all together it's very difficult to progress in any way 
Indeed, we've heard about the, um, the reverse engineering efforts that you know may or may not be underway, depending on who you speak to and where, what your viewpoint is on that. But again, something that's been very much um, discussed is the thing holding that up is the compartmentalization and the fact that everybody is unable to communicate and share information. And um, Avi Loeb as well. Um, if Avi is fast becoming one of my favorite people in the world. I'm telling you, the guy is just, um, you know, he's infectiously uh, enthusiastic about um, science in general. And, and I just love his, his take on the looking into the UFO phenomenon at the moment as well. Um, and uh, thank you to Avi for actually saying um, there was the, just as uh, there's a point in the interview when Lou Elizondo actually leaves, and just before he leaves, he says to Chris Mellon, um, uh, "What a fantastic week we've had!" And then just disappears. And then um, Chris is just about to elaborate on what happened that week, and then uh, I think uh, Avi actually interrupts him, um, and then Avi actually comes back to it and says, uh, "Oh, I stopped you before when you were asked about last week." So then Melon elaborated, and I just wanted to say a big thank you to Avi because I was sat there screaming at my laptop, wanting to know what happened that week. Um, but anyway, so thankfully, Avi did bring that back up and, and Chris did elaborate in the end. So Lou uh, and Chris actually says there, quote, Lou and I were in D.C. most of the week in support of the Gillibrand Amendment and consulting with and speaking with different people on the Hill and in the executive branch, unquote. And he also goes on to say, quote, we had a good, meaningful time and we are tentatively optimistic unquote so very interesting another little hint there that that, that chris and lou uh, are very actively behind the scenes pushing this thing forward and uh, doing what they can uh, to actually help to get new legislation passed to to get this office of you know, ufo office essentially formed and and it's just great to see i mean there were some hints of that. Um, Chris had, had posted a, a photograph of uh, him and Lou uh, next to the Capitol building. So it was clear something was going on. And it was just really interesting in this interview to get a few hints as to what exactly that was that was taking place. So it's also worth mentioning that it's, it's actually quite amazing, really, that so far this has seemed to be remaining a, a really bipartisan issue. And I really, really, really hope it continues that way. Because, I mean, it's, um, you know, Senate, Senator Gillibrand is a Democrat. You know, Galejo, I think I'm saying that right, is a, is a Democrat as well. Marco Rubio is a Republican. And, and these are three of the people who've been really at the forefront of um, US politicians who are willing to weigh in on this and, and really put some support behind it. And they're coming from different sides of the aisle here. And when you consider how many topics fall into one side of the political spectrum, it's really quite amazing that this hasn't, you know, it almost seems too good to be true. Politicians putting their allegiances to one side, you know, in order to back something which could profoundly affect us all. You know, it sounds like a happy ending. So, you know, please may it continue. But I also think that the careful approach of, of Lou and Chris and, you know, people they're associated with, not putting all their eggs in one basket has really helped here. You know, for, for example, if Lou Elizondo had come out in the early days and said he was, say, a Republican, you know, it would have 
really risked that bipartisan support you know it would have really risked turning the ufo issue into a you know a, a right wing thing or something like that you know and another example of lose attention to detail in my opinion to he's purposely avoided discussing what his political leanings may be um, and i think it's it's been very clever you know an example of how how not to do that is um um alex jones because Alex Jones, you know, was somebody who's talked about, you know, various issues. And, and as, as soon as he talks about those kind of issues, the issue in the media then becomes labelled as a right-wing, right-wing conspiracy theorist. Alex Jones has said this, this and this. And straight away, it turns a lot of people off and it makes it, you know, essentially a, a, a partisan issue, you know, something which is associated with one side of the political spectrum. And it's quite miraculous, really, the delicate handling of the situation so far that it's not that at all. And I really hope that continues because obviously, you know, it shouldn't be, uh, a, a, an issue for one side of the spectrum it should be as it is currently and it's just great to see that that seems to be the way that it's going so another quote that i thought really was really interesting is chris melland here says um quote of course it could be extraterrestrial if you look at the unclassified report that was presented by the intelligence community that hypothesis fits the data better than any other hypothesis that i'm aware of but that's not proof of anything it's informed speculation unquote and then i think i think that's just very very important and i thought that was the timing of that particular comment was quite interesting so chris mellon is i mean chris has written about these things before he's, he's posted quite a lot of articles which you know strongly um kind of put forward the idea that we shouldn't discount the extraterrestrial um hypothesis uh, as being a, a major uh, explanation for what's actually going on with the U ufo phenomenon and obviously he is clearly stating there that that's there's no actual hard proof of that but uh, if you speculate and you do some informed speculation that would seem to be a very strong contender to explain this and and in fact just to to go back to the quote there that hypothesis fits the data better than any other hypothesis that i'm aware of so i actually just mentioned this i've, I've actually recorded a podcast just earlier today about the future human time traveler narrative and that particular um episode i mentioned that quote at the end and it's just worth considering that chris mellon there is saying that in his opinion the extraterrestrial hypothesis fits the data better than any other hypothesis and you have to imagine that chris mellon being heavily involved in this topic he must have been aware of the time traveler narrative but he still th says that the in his opinion there the best hypothesis that fits the data is the extraterrestrial hypothesis so definitely worth considering and then chris also goes on to say that um you know it's all about the data which is what the galileo project is all about and i think um that's that's um a, a really important point here um that the Galileo Project's whole purpose is to get data. And it's something that Avi Loeb has actually mentioned here as well um, on, the, on that particular interview quite a few times. And I think it's um, why I've got so much faith in the Galileo Project. Because in the UFO topic, you've got anonymous sources coming from the inside. And again, the previous episode that I've just recorded, I talk about many reasons why 
you might want to reconsider whether or not we can trust those sources where that information is coming from. But you've got leaked documents which are not very reliable in terms of being definitive proof of anything. You know, there's a lot of these kind of things within the UFO topic. But what, what the Galileo Project is actually trying to do is get hard data and that is something that you can't deny if you want a smoking gun if you want actual proof or even if you just want excellent data which points towards a certain hypothesis as being correct i think our best hope at this moment in time is the galileo project and um avi also uh, highlighted a few things about the galileo project and what their approach is going to be going forward and um, he highlighted the benefits of having skeptics involved with the Galileo project. And he was talking about the fact that they have Michael Shermer. And he sort of made the joke that Michael Shermer is a, a, a sort of renowned skeptic. And uh, Avi has, has kind of made a, a bit of a jokey comment that um, Michael Shermer's skeptic magazine uh, would have to be renamed Believer magazine if the the correct information comes to light uh, that that would convince him that that it is all of this is actually uh, worth believing in uh, as such. And I thought that was quite a funny comment that he made there. But I think the the, the overall point of having skeptics within their organisation is if you can come up with good enough data that convinces that skeptic that there's a reality here then that means you've you've done a good job and i think that's why it's worth having skeptics on board a lot of people have questioned it but i think it's just another another example of avi Loeb trying to put together a really thorough scientific investigation including all different sides of the argument which is important because let's say some excellent data comes out of the the investigations that the Galileo project is is taking on. If they don't have any skeptics on board, you know what's going to be said. It'll just be a case of ah, oh, they just put together a team of people who already believed in UFOs, and we can't take their outcomes very seriously because they set out to prove that there was aliens or whatever. That that's that's the conversation that you would hear if everybody on board with the Galileo project was kind of already a quote-unquote believer so the fact that they have actually made the effort to get skeptical minds involved people who don't ha really have any skin in the game at all you know people who are not from a ufo background people who are skeptical about ufos people like lou elizondo and chris mellon who are some of the most highly respected advocates for ufo disclosure they've got people from all angles and if all of those people from all of those different angles see the data that they manage to come up with and all agree then that is an absolutely enormous step and we don't know what the data is going to show yet but whatever the data shows i think having a really diverse team coming from all different angles is the best way to give it proper credibility so avi also mentions that they have two million in funding currently but they need a hundred million to achieve the goals and he also mentions that that sounds a lot of money but when you're talking about real scientific investigations that actually that's not that much i can't remember the exact figure but it was something like six billion that the large hadron collider cost 
um, and that was you know six billion pounds and essentially has only come up with some inconclusive results so far um, so uh, you know six billion to come up with the large hadron collider um, compared to a hundred million for something which could literally change the course of the fate of humanity if they managed to find out uh, anything which proves you know the existence of extraterrestrial intelligence you know a hundred million when you put it like that doesn't sound that much um, but I just hope that they can actually continue to to get more popularity and more funding. Now, I personally, you know, I don't have two quid to rub together most of the time. You know, I'm not exactly a wealthy individual. Uh, I would love to be able to, you know, invest a million pounds into the Galileo project, but I certainly don't even have a million pounds, so that's not going to happen. But just on the off chance that any of my listeners are very, very wealthy, please go over to the Galileo project and, and, and do what you can. Or, you know, I suppose even if, you, if you're not very, very wealthy, um, it's a, a cause that I can't recommend enough. If you're interested in this topic, um, you know, definitely worth um, donating to the Galileo Project and trying to help to, to, to boost up these numbers. But I think really, realistically, with the £100 million goal, or £100 million it would be, um, what they really need is some backing of people like you know billionaires you need your rob your robert bigelow's your um you know your elon musk your jeff bezos brandon fugel these are the kinds of people i think who who would be best placed to actually help the galileo projects along along its path um, and i actually haven't heard a uh, bigelow or brandon fugel um questioned about whether or not they've funded this uh, and i do wonder whether some of the 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 very wealthy backers of this uh, galileo project and um, I, I do wonder whether bigelow and fugel in particular have have got involved with that or that they may do in the future and i think uh, avi Loeb is actually talking about um as a bit of a reward for any large investors they would actually be able to get um some insider information about any technologies that they can actually gather information on so there is a bit of a um a bit of a kind of a incentive there for people like bezos and musk that if they manage to observe any particular things that give away what technology is being used here by ufos that they may be able to actually you know develop some some new technologies based off of that so hopefully we see them get even more funding as the future uh, unfolds and from what i gather that avi actually said as well the plan is to make uh, a one telescope setup and develop the process with software etc to be able to detect birds and planes and you know compare that to a true anomaly and then once that initial setup has been tested which i think um from what i remember him saying didn't make a note of this but i think he said they're hoping to get the the first setup underway um in spring 2022 so it's not long off really um and then once that initial setup is actually in place and, and is uh, working correctly, then they're going to duplicate that setup in as many locations as possible according to what funding will allow. So obviously the more funding that they get, the more setups with telescopes and sensor equipment they're going to be able to actually um you know deploy across the world and obviously part of lou elizondo and chris mellon's um you know input into the galileo project as research affiliates is to help with the positioning of these sensor systems so another thing that was quite interesting uh, was chris mellon um, when asked about a, a kind of a smoking gun piece of data chris said quote 
if we release data and the scientific community is able to validate it that shows objects entering the Earth's atmosphere manoeuvre and exiting the Earth's atmosphere, we're going to know pretty quickly whether those are ours or not, unquote. And I thought that was a really interesting comment, you know, because we've heard about this kind of thing a lot, the, the, the fast walkers, you know, the objects that have apparently been observed, you know, entering the Earth's atmosphere, manoeuvring and then exiting. There's no doubt there that that is not a comet. You know, a comet doesn't fly into the Earth's atmosphere, mooch around for a little bit and then scarper off back out into space again. You know, that's not the way comets behave. And we have heard that particular um, concept discussed quite a lot. I think if even when you go way back to when Jacques Vallée first got involved in the UFO topic, one of the reasons that he did so was that he was working on some kind of a, a radar telescope, I think it was, I can't remember the specifics off the top of my head, but some of the things that were observed coming into the Earth's atmosphere very, very fast, manoeuvring and then exiting the Earth's atmosphere, very similar to what Chris Mellon has just said. And wouldn't it be fascinating if it turns out that those actually get observed by the Galileo project, that would open up a whole new conversation. So that's uh, everything on the uh, interview there. And we're going to finish off just with a couple of other bits and pieces as well. So, uh, the James Webb telescope is also another thing that had been discussed a little bit recently. Um, as reported in the independent UK newspaper, NASA's alien hunting James Webb Space Telescope launch delayed by incident. So I just wanted to throw that little uh, headline in there because I love that. Alien hunting James Webb Space Telescope sounds pretty good. Um, but unfortunately, it was a shame to read that it has been delayed. So the problems happened as the satellite was being prepared for launch in French Guyana, where it had been scheduled to take off on the 18th of December. But now that date has been pushed back after a part of the spacecraft was dropped and caused it to vibrate. So very unfortunate, but essentially the James Webb Space Telescope will be looking inside our solar system and also outside of our solar system uh, in an attempt to... Um, you know better understand the universe essentially and one of its key abilities means that it can uh, uh, sniff the atmosphere uh, as they put it of distant planets allowing us to understand whether they might be able to support alien life and um, I've heard a lot of optimism about this particular telescope, including some speculation that certain people involved already know what the telescope is likely to see, and even that it is part of a controlled disclosure um, you know, plan. And uh, the idea being put forward by certain individuals is that um, this telescope, they, they, they kind of know where to point it and they know that when they point it in a certain place, they will observe something which will then allow them to, you know, break another element of, um, you know, disclosure to the public. Um, whether that is the case, whether you believe that or not, uh, that remains to be seen, but I have also heard some other talk about um, potentially the Galileo project uh, being able to actually access things like the James Webb Telescope. Um, obviously, I think a lot of that comes down to the funding and, and whether or not the momentum picks up to a high enough level for uh, the Galileo project. But 
Yeah, it's um that does remain to be seen whether or not any of that will be the case, whether or not they'll find you know something fascinating. Um, we'll have to just see, but unfortunately, we will have to wait a little bit longer now to actually find out whether that is going to be the case or not. So there you have it, people. That is a bit of a roundup as best I can of what's been going on uh, in the world of of UFOs over this last week or so, and. Uh, yeah, quite a hectic time, really. Yesterday was one of those days where just, you know, my uh, Twitter feed was was looking pretty crazy um, and uh, tried to kind of digest it and, and pass it on to you guys as, as best I can. I, I know a lot of people really like these uh, recent events episodes. I've been getting some, some really good feedback. And as I've mentioned before, you know, it really helps me actually as well to... Uh, you know to really thoroughly comb through everything and understand what's going on better so um yeah it's a bit of a win-win really for everybody involved so as i say hope you've enjoyed listening to this one so i'm going to leave it there for now so keep your eyes on the on the podcast i've got some interesting bits coming up over the next few weeks some uh, some some interviews and some discussions that i'm going to be having with certain people and um, so definitely keep your eye out for that in in the run-up to christmas do some kind of little christmasy episode i think as well get some sleigh bells on in the background or something um so yeah thanks for listening guys and if you have listened all the way through to this stage you are a hardcore listener of the podcast so thank you very much and um yeah till next time guys take it easy stay curious and i'll catch you in the next one UFO podcast.